Welcome to Saving Grace Church, located in Indiana, Pennsylvania. Our mission at Saving Grace Church is to love God, love others, and reach the world for Christ. We hope that this message brings you closer to God and helps strengthen your walk with Christ. Well, good morning. So glad to be with you this morning. I uh, <clears throat> be preaching from Psalm 27 today. And uh, wasn't that a great message from Robin Ellis last week? Yeah. I was listening to it, and I'm like, this is great stuff. And then I went, i got to preach next week. <laughs> i got to follow this guy. <laughs> Feeling a little pressure there, but uh, so thankful him and his heart and uh, the message that he brought from Psalm 67. I'm still trying to get organized. There we go. So, first thing I'm going to do this morning is uh, read the passage for us. It's 14 verses, and so I'm just going to read the whole thing, and then we'll pray and begin. The Lord is my light and my salvation. Whom shall I fear? The Lord is the stronghold of my life. Of whom shall I be afraid? When evildoers assail me to eat up my flesh, my adversaries and my foes, it is they who stumble and fall. Though an army encamp against me, my heart shall not fear. The war arise against me, yet I will be confident. One thing I have asked of the Lord that I will seek after, that I may dwell in the house of the Lord all the days of my life, to gaze upon the beauty of the Lord and to inquire in his temple. For he will hide me in his shelter in the day of trouble. He will conceal me under the cover of his tent. He will lift me high upon a rock, and now my head shall be lifted up, and my enemies all around me, and I will offer in his tent sacrifices with shouts of joy. I will sing and make melody to the Lord. Hear, O Lord, when I cry aloud. Be gracious to me and answer me. You have said, seek my face. My heart says to you, Lord, do I seek. Hide not your face from me. Turn not your servant away in anger. O you who have been my help, cast me not off. Forsake me not, O God of my salvation. For my father and mother have forsaken me, but the Lord will take me in. Teach me your way, O Lord, and lead me on a level path because of my enemies. Give me not up to the will of my adversaries, for false witnesses have risen against me, and they breathe out violence. I believe that I shall look upon the goodness of the Lord in the land of the living. Wait for the Lord. Be strong and let your heart take courage. Wait for the Lord. So David begins the Psalm 27 by declaring his singular and complete trust in the Lord for all of his strength. And because of his enduring faith in all circumstances, he's remaining fearless. Anybody here ever struggle with fear? No? One. Come on, guys. Jim's a welder, so he has no fear. He's raising his hand anyway to be kind. What kind of things do you struggle with? Fear. Anything. Give me something. Come on. What's that? The unknown. Oh, that's a big one. Fears. Come on. Finances? Okay. 
Government? Okay. <laughs> Anything else? Come on. Illness. Yeah. Anything from finances, having enough money to feed your family, and Jim has a big family, <laughs> to uh, not getting good enough grades to get where you need to get in life. Sometimes that, that, can, that can be a fear or spiders, snakes, things like that, right? Those are real things. But whatever fa- fears you're facing, just know that you're not alone. And so I looked up some March 10th, 2022. So you're not alone if you have fears. That's a, that's, that's a normal human experience. March 10th, 2022, a large majority of Americans are reporting high stress levels due to financial concerns, inflation, the COVID-19 pandemic, and the Russian invasion of Ukraine, according to a new poll from the American Psychological Association. This is in March of this year. The number of people who say they're significantly stressed about these most recent events is stunning relative to what we've seen since we began the survey in 2007. 81% of Americans who participated in the poll were stressed out due to supply chain issues. 87% Americans are stressed due to the rising inflation in the country, up from 59% in August. 80% are tensed and stressed about possible Russian cyber attacks or nuclear threats. So 65% of Americans respond that they were stressed about money and the economy. And the 65% figure of stressed Americans due to money is the highest figure recorded in more than six years. I know, you're thinking, wow, this is great, Kay. This is really encouraging. <laughs> making me think of all the things I wasn't trying to think about today. (laughs) Also, a poll that just came out Friday from Gallup. They do this every year since at least 1944. Fewer Americans than ever believe in God. 81% of Americans say they believe in God. That's the lowest figure that they've ever had since 1944. And the number was always above 90% up until 2011. Fewer than half of those say they believed, that say they believe in God. 42%, let me, let me say that again. Fewer than half of those that say they believe in God, that's 42% according to Gallup, say that God hears and responds to their prayers. So, the lowest number ever in America believe in God, of some kind of God. And only 42% of those say that they believe God hears and responds to our prayers. So, I can't say for sure, but it seems like there could possibly be a correlation between the high stress levels in our country and the lack of faith in God, or I would say in Christ. And, uh, I just wanted to share those with you. So my point is that you're not alone if you have fear, especially today in America. So my first point is in this psalm, how David reveals a roadmap for life in Christ. So uh, Robin said last week that Psalm 67 was a psalm for the nations. I say this is a psalm for life. And you'll see why, hopefully, when... uh, 
we, we walk through this together. So, David served the same God we did. They call him the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. And he desires a personal relationship with each and every one of his children by faith. So he was called David. Uh, David wrote this psalm. Let me point that out. I don't think I said that. David wrote this psalm. He was called a God after man's, a man after God's own heart. Not because he killed a lion. Not because he killed a bear. Not because he was a mighty warrior and won many battles. Not because he was the king of Israel or because he returned the Ark of the Covenant to Israel and Jerusalem. I would submit to you this morning that David was a man after God's own heart because he understood that God desires a personal and intimate relationship with his people, and he wants us to feel the same. Now it says in Acts 13, when it, taught, when it, when it calls David the man after God's own heart, that he would do all of God's will. So he was obedient, but not perfectly obedient. Like someone shared this morning, only one person was perfectly obedient, and that was Christ. So, I want to say that, to me, when I read the Psalms always, I kind of thought, especially David, he's kind of all over the map, right? He's up high, he's praising God, he's on the mountaintop, and then he's down low, and he seems depressed sometimes, and and it's never really put my finger on it until I started studying for this. And I realized how he's expressing himself and he's being real. So what Jason shared last week about the emotions, that these psalms, we tend to think of emotions as negative and, 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 and a downer and, and there's something we need to bury and hide. But the psalms help us to uh, rightly handle our emotions. And I think that's what you see with David. In fact, he mentions in these short 14, 14 verses, he uses the word my 15 times. He uses the word I 12 times. Me 18 times. The word Lord 12 times. Why do I say all that? Because I, want, I hope you can see that it's like a dialogue between him and the Lord. When he says my Lord, and he's my light. He's my salvation. He's the stronghold of my life. It's so, it's so personal. It's so intimate. He's just not talking about a God, like the Gallup poll was talking about people believe in a God. He's talking about my Lord, my light, my salvation. When, when my enemies surround me, he will deliver me. So that's why I say it's a psalm for life. And I say it's a psalm for Christian life. So you might be thinking, well, he doesn't say Christ in there anywhere. There's nothing about Christ. There's no resurrection. There's no... But it's a simple answer because the name Jesus Christ hadn't been given yet at that time, right? So he had the Old Testament, the Law of Moses, and the prophets, but he didn't have... Uh... So, but he believed the word of the Lord, that the Messiah that was promised would one day come. So he wouldn't use the word Christ, but he believed God, he believed in his word, and he believed that promise as well as the other ones, that he would deliver him, that he would save him. And so, you know, we didn't, the name Jesus Christ wasn't given until Matthew 121, where the angel said to Mary, you shall call his name Jesus, for he shall save his people from their sins. 
So just hold on to that thought, and we'll come back to that later about Christ and what that means. So I also want to say, when David seems all over the map, and he seems high, but he's, he's bare in his heart, right? He's, 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 not, uh, he's very good at bearing his heart, and not everybody's like that. So I want to say to you too, like you're not alone. The struggle's real. People, the struggle is real. Like life is a struggle. And so I point to the Apostle Paul also. He says in Romans 7, For I do not understand my own actions. For I do not what I want, but I do the very thing I hate. Now if I do what I do not want, I agree with the law. That is good. So now it is no longer I who do it, but sin that dwells within me. So, I mean, to me, this is a little hard to follow, right? For I know that nothing good dwells in me, and that is in my flesh, for I have the desire to do what is right, but not the ability to carry it out. For I do not do the good I want, but the evil I do not want is what I keep on doing. This is the Apostle Paul, who wrote so many encouraging books of the Bible. For I do not do the good thing I want, but the evil I do not want is what I keep on doing. Now, if I do what I wow, I can't. <laughs> now if I do what I do not want, why did I read all this? I don't know. It is no longer I who do it, but sin that dwells within me. Okay, that's the Apostle Paul. And he says in another place, my conscience is clear, but I don't judge myself. And so that's also Paul. So also, also, Paul says, imitate me as I imitate Christ. You see? The struggle's real, but that's okay. Like, we're following Christ. Do we get the, can we see that meme up there? Okay, this is what I, this is what I think of. That's Christ, that's Paul, that's me imitating Paul, imitating Christ, right? Okay? So don't get caught up in that, you know? How can I be a Christian if I? well, but I'm not like Joe Ryer, you know? But I'm not like Jason Rummel. I'm not like um, whoever. I, don't, I hate to say names, but we ought not to think that way because we're people. We're human. We make mistakes. make mistakes. I, I love this meme. It cracks me up when I see it, things like that. And uh, I always joke with the guys, you know, like Joe and Jason and Mark and David, that I'm like the least of all non-vocational elders, like Paul said. You know, like they're so gifted and amazing. So, But God uses knuckleheads like me, right? Huh? He used Balaam's dumb mule, so I mean, I may be a step above that, right? <laughs> so I hope you get the point, right? The struggle's real, okay? But where does he go? The Lord is my light and my salvation. The Lord is the strength of my life. I'm not going to fear. He didn't let that hold him back. He didn't let that hold him back. Second point, the Lord calls his people to seek his face. And, uh, okay, I'm going to just fix this here. Whoops, I didn't fix it, I broke it. 
<laughs> my brain is the least organized brain in the world, and poor Andrew had to put together from my notes all this. So um, I told him that's a picture into my brain when you see my messy notes. So here we go. Uh, what do I want to say here? The Lord, he says, what does he say? Your face, Lord, you've said, seek my face. Your face I will seek. That's awesome, right? I, I want to do that. But what in the world does that mean? Your face I will seek. Can you see the face of God? He's not here. I mean, not like I don't see his face, right? So that's what I want to talk about. The Lord calls His people. So in this section, in verse 8, when He says that, seek my face, this is the closest thing I'm going to get to Robin Ellis. The original Hebrew text <laughs> is written in the plural, okay? Seek His face. It's not just to David Himself. It's to a group of people. It's to God's people. When God says, seek my face, he means all of us, every Christian who ever lived, everyone who ever put their faith in God, seek his faith. So God is calling you to seek his face. Okay, still, what does that mean? I think here's one fella who had a, a simple way of doing it. His name is A.W. Tozer. This is what they said of him. This is a quote from, actually from a study guide, but the quote's in the book, Pursuit of God. Others as well recognize the ability of Tozer to worship. Raymond McAfee, his longtime associate at Southside Alliance Church in Chicago, relates the following experience they had when praying and worshiping together. Tozer knelt by his chair, took off his glasses, and laid them on the chair. Resting on his bent ankles, he clasped his hands together, raised his face with his eyes closed, and began. So he just gets a chair, bends over, gets down on his knees, puts his glasses there, and looks up and says, Oh God, we are before thee. With that, says Raymond, there came a rush of God's presence that filled the room. We both worship in silent ecstasy and wonder and adoration. I've never forgotten that moment, and I don't want to forget it. And some of Tozer's writings in there, he talks about how we follow programs and, and just we're, we're entertained. And so how much more today, that book was written in 1945, I believe, how much more today are we amused and entertained and we miss the simplicity of Christ, the peace of God in spending time with Him alone in quietness and without your phone. Try that. I dare you. <laughs> I'm not preaching against technology please don't get me wrong. It, it offers many blessings. But So that's one way 
to seek his face. Just to seek his presence. And I hear some people sometimes criticize in songs that say, you know, Lord, you're welcome here or, you know, bring, us, bring your presence, your spirit. Your spirit's always with us. That's true. But the Bible says we can be filled with the Holy Spirit even though we're, we have the Spirit. So there is a level, uh, you know, there is a different level of having the Spirit of the God come upon you at times than, than you carry with you every day because you've been born again. So I don't think, uh, I think that's a thing to look for and pray for and you see a simple way to do it right there. Another way to seek God's face is by being here today. You know, you're seeing my face, but somehow God finds a way to use people like me. You come, because it says in the Bible that faith comes by hearing, and hearing by the Word of God, and how are they going to hear without a preacher? I know that went pretty fast there, but it's, it's all there. Faith comes by hearing, hearing by the Word of Christ is actually the, t- and how are they going to hear without a preacher? And if I've learned anything through this pandemic, it's that being here is important, Right? Being with God's people is important. Hearing the word preached is important. It's a blessing. It does things to you that don't happen when you're watching it on the video at home, somewhere, or wherever. Those are good technologies, again, to have, but, and a blessing. But That's Romans 10, by the way. Faith comes from hearing and hearing through the word of Christ, and how are they going to hear without a preacher? And I was recently reading through a list of things to do in order to be successful. I can use a lot of those lists. Uh, One thing it said is, do not multitask. So that kind of jumped out at me, because that's what we do today, right? And if you're like me, you probably think uh, you're good at it, but you're probably not. (laughs) If you ask my wife, she'll probably tell you. So, but I think that's good. That's probably good for me not to try to do that and focus on one thing, especially when it comes to God and my relationship with Him. So I like to have like morning coffee in the summertime out in the sunshine and I set a timer for 10 minutes and it's just a simple thing. I don't necessarily read the Bible when I do that. I just spend time alone. Um, Try not to multitask. So when you're, doing things, just a little simple, hopefully helpful thing, maybe, suggestion, that's all. And uh, if we look to Jesus for one more example, the one that was sent to save his people from their sins in Matthew chapter 1, he could have said, you know, hey, I'm the Savior. It's not my job to, I'm not going to the well at noontime when there's no one there and it's hot, but there was a woman there. So he, I believe he went there knowing that woman was going to be there and he saved her. And it's not for me to wash, my, wash feet. I'm not going to wash your feet. Ew, gross. <laughs> the Messiah over here, right? Uh, you know, the important guy. No, he didn't do that. Instead he said, I didn't come to be served, but to serve. So I've found in my life that when you're down or when you encourage someone or serve one else, some serve someone else, that's very encouraging sometimes. That's just the way the Lord works. And uh, one more thing is we sometimes say, well, I don't really know what to do and I'm not sure which way to go, but follow the, 
clear instruction that you have. There's plenty of clear instruction in the Bible. It's not always as simple as a pillar of fire by day and a pillar of a cloud by or a pillar of a cloud by day and a pillar of fire by night, right? Wouldn't that be nice? God, which way do I go? Oh, the fire's over there. I'm going, <laughs> that'd be great, right? It's not always that simple. So, but for us, we have plenty of teaching in the Bible that is clear that we can follow. And that sounds like odd, but that's a way to seek his face by just putting, doing the next right thing, right? Doing the next right thing. Like simple, like be kind and forgiving, tenderhearted towards one another, something like that. So, I want to say too, Point number three, God's blessing is not just the promise of heaven, but also for today. And if you look at what he says here in these Psalms, he saved us from hell, so we will spend eternity in heaven with him. That's awesome, right? Like, <laughs> I mean, even if we were just that, that would be great because that's for eternity. But he says in verse 13, look what he says. I believe that I shall look upon the goodness of the Lord in the land of the living. So he's just not talking about the future. And think about this. When he says in verse 4, One thing I have asked of the Lord that I will seek after, that I may dwell in the house of the Lord all the days of my life. To gaze upon the beauty of the Lord and to inquire in his temple. Okay, let's think about that for a minute. So he's going to gaze upon the beauty of the Lord and inquire in his temple. Where did he go for that? The temple was destroyed. There wasn't a temple. And even if there was, the Ark of the Covenant is what you saw when you went into the temple into the holiest of holies like a really nice box <laughs> right he's not talking about the temple the physical temple so he could see god in his heart in his mind in his spirit and that's the beauty that he wanted to see Not some beautiful statue or ornate building that was there at one time. And so he says, I believe that I shall look upon the goodness of the Lord in the land of the living. So, many of you, I've heard of people talk of different things. Let's look at can we put up that the psalmist who wrote the psalms, please, Andrew? We'll go there. I like this because it kind of helps my brain. Like a list is one thing, but so if you look up here, David says is credited with 73 psalms, maybe 12 more. They don't know, so we'll stick with what they, they they're pretty confident of. You have in the middle there Korah, or if you can see it, it says sons in parentheses. The sons of Korah, 11. Solomon, 2. Moses, 1. 
Why am I pointing out these people? Because there are people who, like David, who wrote this song, made major mistakes or sometimes great and grave sins in their life. Or the one in the middle, the sons of Korah, so 86 of those, 87, I'm sorry, 87 fall into that category. David, Korah, Solomon, Moses, and some of the other ones I'm not sure. So we'll just stick with that. More than half the Psalms were written by these men who made major errors or sins in their life or their fathers did. The sons of Korah. Korah was known in number 16 for the rebellion of Korah. He got 250 chiefs in Israel and rose up against Moses. He rebelled against him. And you've heard people joke like, ah, I'm going to move away from Steve over here because what he just said, God's going to swallow up the Lord or send lightning. Well, God said to Moses, go tell the people to move away from Korah. Get away from his tents. And they did it a couple times, and the next thing you know, the earth opened up and swallowed Korah and all the rebellious people. And so his sons are now writing psalms that today we are reading and singing. And David committed great sins, we know, with Bathsheba and, and her husband. Moses made his mistakes. Solomon, wisest man in the world, still messed up, still didn't get it. But they wrote these psalms for every Christian from now till the end of, till Jesus returns to hear and to sing. Why do I say all that? If you add the 50 in there that they're not sure about, that puts the number over 90% of the psalms were written by these people. He says in verse 9, see, God can be our refuge. He can be our salvation. He can be our light, even if I've come from a family that's broken, even if I was raised with no father or a father who not wasn't present, but I wish he wasn't present because he was not a good father or a mother. And uh, I didn't plan this little section. I didn't even realize it was Mother's Father's Day until Brennan asked me what we were doing for Father's Day yesterday. And I realized why well, my wife kept asking me what we were going to have to eat today. <laughs> but uh, anyway, so your father, and, 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 and so if your father and your mother or whatever, if you're broken, and those general, that's not a real thing in the Bible, generational curses, really. And we can talk about that if you want to. Because Why? So look at what David says. Hide not your face from me. He's calling out to God. This is a pattern he has in his Psalms too. He, he continually goes to God, recognizes his authority, recognizes his power, and says, God, don't turn away from me. Hide not your face from me. Turn not your servant away in anger. O you who have been my help, cast me not off. Forsake me not, O God of my salvation. For my father and my mother, my father and my mother have forsaken me but the Lord will take me in Jesus says pure and undefiled religion is this to visit the fatherless and the widow in their affliction 
And even if... Joe, I literally didn't see that coming. <laughs> he makes fun of me because I never see it coming. Um, even if you're a good father, you, you're aware of your mistakes. And the older you get, the more aware you become of your mistakes as a father and how you wish you'd have done things differently. So even the best fathers... Uh, we apologized. I apologized to my oldest. Because, you know, like, the firstborns, you're a guinea pig, really. <laughs> and it's, uh, things change a lot. And so, you know. realized how in the past been pretty legalistic but hearts were for the Lord you know it was out of that that we were legalistic but probably still are in some ways but one thing I fear is that word deconstruction pretty popular today. I don't want to see that for my kids or anybody's kids. Deconstruction. But, so David, now he, he hasn't seen Christ yet. Christ hasn't come yet, as we said earlier. He's believing the Lord. He's believing for that Messiah, but Christ hasn't come. Because Hebrews 13 says, Jesus will never leave us or forsake us. That's the promise of Christ. He will never leave us or forsake us. And also, so no matter what your family, if you have a great family background like some of you as I look around, wonderful, godly people, or if you have a horrible background and your family upbringing is a mess, therefore, if anyone's in Christ, if anyone is in Christ, he or she is a new creation. The old has passed away. Behold, the new has come. And in Revelation, it says that Christ makes all things new. All things new. It doesn't mean there's not some work to do to get through some of those things that happen to you or to change you you're but you're being create changed from one glory to another in christ philippians 3:10. paul who said oh, why do i do the things i can't do and he's all like I, I i do the very thing i don't want to do here's what he said similar to david his singular one desire that i may know him that's jesus christ and the power of his resurrection so we need that salvation resurrection, but we need that resurrection power for today to overcome temptation, to face our fears, right? Whatever your fear is, to face your fear. David was full of the Holy Spirit from the time he was anointed, okay? 
He was full of the Holy Spirit. You can't do this on your own. You can't. You can do some things, but you'll, you'll, you'll lose in the end. And if you do it God's way, full of His Spirit, it's going to be better. You're going to be blessed. You're going to be encouragement to other people. God uses the broken to heal the broken and make you a new creation in Christ. So all of this, from the beginning to the end, if the Lord is not your light and your salvation, if the Lord is not the stronghold of your life, you're missing out on this. It's the most important thing. If you don't know the Lord as your light and your salvation, I would ask you to do that today. Put your trust, like David, put all of your trust, put all of your hope in him. And no matter how you get up high, down low, sideways, he just keeps going back to him. Even though he's all over the map, he knows, he knows where the North Pole is. He knows where the center of his life is in God and in Christ. And, uh, and believe it or not, I'm almost done. <laughs> I think. <laughs> he says at the end, wait for the Lord. Be strong and let your heart take courage. Verse 14 it is. Wait for the Lord. Be strong and let your heart take courage. Wait for the Lord. So it's a strong encouragement for others that he certainly learned the power of waiting for the Lord and that his faithfulness was born out of his life in Christ, in God. See, he was anointed to be king by Samuel the prophet. But that didn't happen. They didn't go get a crown and bring it and put it on him. And he was a boy, 12 to 15 years old, they say. Didn't happen the next year. Didn't happen the year after that. Fifteen years from the time that he was anointed to be the king, that he was actually king. So, waiting on the Lord, though, in the meantime, he did a lot of those things I taught. That in the meantime, he slew the giant Goliath. In the meantime, he fought battles. He, he had to hide from, from Saul, who was the king who was hunting him down. He slaughtered bears and lions. Here's what he says. This is at the famous uh, battle with the Philistines when they were, they were telling him about this giant. And he said, don't worry about him. I got this. 1 Samuel 17, 36. Your servant has struck down both lions and bears, and this uncircumcised Philistine shall be like one of them. For he has defied the armies of the living God. And David said, The Lord who delivered me from the paw of the lion and from the paw of the bear will deliver me from the hand of this Philistine. That's some confidence there, right? <laughs> and so, but his confidence is not just in him. As he says in verses two and three. When evildoers assail me to eat up my flesh, my adversaries and my foes, it is they who stumble and fall. Though an enemy, though an army encamp against me, my heart shall not fear. Though war rise against me, yet 
I will be confident. Yet I will be confident. Not just in himself. He was confident in what the Lord, he just said the Lord will do it. So keep that in mind when you're facing whatever it is you're facing today. Because life is hard. In Jeremiah it says, no weapon formed against me will prosper. Right? Amen? But we sometimes miss the fact that there is weapon that's formed against us. Like, expect that. You know, it's a reasonable expectation that there are going to be things that come against us. Like, that helped me a lot some years ago. My wife, again, might disagree that when I realized that, like, when the car breaks down, it's a machine. It's going to break, right? Refrigerators break. Washing machines break. Things break. And don't be like, oh, my, what am I going to, oh, my car. Well, of course it's going to break eventually, even if it's well-maintained. So there are going to be weapons formed against you. Let me just tell you that today. When you get saved, when you put your faith in Christ, that doesn't mean all the hard things end. Not at all. But if we had this great confidence, the Lord who delivered me from the paw, think about that for real. Like he took a, It says in the, in the text he took a club after him. When it came to get one of their lambs, he'd run after it with a club. They didn't have 300 Weatherby Magnums and you know, 357s or 45s. Or, they didn't have that stuff. He took a club. And he said, if he came after me again, I'd grab him by his beard and, and kill him. That's crazy. I mean, I like to hunt, but I, I like to do it with something a little more than a club. <laughs> okay. I don't want to get off track. The Lord who delivered me from the paw of the lion and from the paw of the bear will deliver me from the hand of the Philistine. So the waiting on the Lord is an active waiting. It's not a passive. I'm not just sitting around, hey, what you doing? I'm waiting for the Lord. Huh? My hands and my feet should be active. My lips should be active. My heart should be active. My mind should be active. That we can see, as the song said, as Christ sees people and their brokenness all around us. People need the Lord. Sometimes in God's plan, life doesn't go the way we thought it would. We thought we'd be here, or we thought we'd be there, or we thought this was going in this direction, and all of a sudden, it's not like that. Wait on Him, but be active. As they said to Moses when the people were complaining before they crossed over the Red Sea, He set them up for that, you know that? He sent them. He said, tell them to go back and go over here where they were trapped. And then I'm going to harden their hearts of the Pharaoh and he's going to send his army. So this is like the greatest army the world has ever seen is coming after you. Imagine that today. He's coming after us here. And we're backed up against Yellow Creek or whatever, you know? (laughs) Seriously, try to put yourself in that position. The U.S. Army, the greatest army on the world is coming after you. And I set you up for that. So, I mean, (laughs) they were like, weren't there enough graves in Egypt? Moses, you brought us out here? What in the world? What's this guy thinking? Okay. So then he tells them, be still, stand still. I could go to the text, but I'm just going to tell you the story so I can finish soon. Stand still. 
And then the people complained. And, and God said, why are you coming to me, Moses? Go forward. So stand still and go forward. Be still. It could be translated, be still. Be still and know that I am God. That doesn't mean you're just sitting there like I do in the morning, sitting out there in the sun with my coffee. That's good, but there's stuff that needs done. There are plenty of giants that need to be slain while we're waiting on the Lord. And we can do it. You can do it because you're a new creation in Christ. Wait for the Lord. Be strong and let your heart take courage. Wait for the Lord. And I want to encourage you today, wherever you're at, if you've been saved like me for many, many years, or if you don't know the Lord, the best thing that you can ever focus on in your life is that the Lord is my light and my salvation. Whom shall I fear? The Lord is the stronghold of my life. Of whom shall I be afraid? And if the band can come up. and uh, I'm going to pray while they're coming up. Lord, we just thank you for your word. We thank you that no matter where we're at, when we're all over the map, that if we just come back to you, Lord, that you don't forsake us. You don't leave us that you have given us power because we're a new creation to overcome whatever we face in our life, whatever fears we have, whatever weaknesses we have and whatever strength we have sometimes that become weaknesses, Lord. I pray for your grace to be poured out on everyone who's here today that your word might touch them somehow, some way, in a new and living way. Thank you for Jesus, and in his name we pray. Amen.